everybody, welcome to another episode of MTG Rants. I'm Danny Grace, as always, joined by Ross Merriam. Ross, how you doing over there? Uh, better. <laughs> yeah, y'all had y'all, y'all been having a little rough time lately, huh? Yeah, f- f- fully recovered from COVID at this point, but also sure. uh, over the weekend, I managed to uh, injure myself getting out of bed. Okay, which, that's uh, the oldest thing I've ever heard, yeah, by the way. Yeah, a, a new, new level of old I, I've reached. I literally just put my right hand down onto the bed to you know help push myself up, and somehow that my neck was like, no, we don't like that. You know what's you know what's hilarious? I literally just had like one of the same problems. Like I woke up one day and like I just like I felt like Zoolander. Like I couldn't turn to the left or whatever. Yeah, I can't remember which way. I, but like I couldn't turn my head to the left anymore. That, for, that like, joke was made about me many times over the weekend. Yeah, you're not. A I had a harder lambdy. time turning left. Yeah, you're not a lambdy turner. I think is what it's called yeah, or something. Yeah, Amber Turner. Sure, whatever. I just that's one of my favorite comedies of all time. I haven't seen the second one because I've heard it's a travesty. But yeah, the first one is comedic gold. Oh yeah, excellent. But. Yeah, it, it was so bad right after I did it that I needed help putting on pants. And uh, I I'm, wish they could see the face I'm making at yeah. you right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, t- took it easy for a couple days. Tried to stretch it out a little bit, uh-huh. and now after you know, what is it? Thursday. I, I th- this yeah. happened Saturday, so five days later, uh, I'm I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm like ninety five percent. Yeah, so that's Mine a relief. Yeah, mine was about three days ago, and I'm just getting to the point where like I'm I'm like per- like a lot better, and it's amazing how shitty it gets when you get older or whatever, you know? Like, yeah, cause, it takes cause so long. Thing. I don't know if I told you this. I actually like I don't know if you saw my eyes light up when you said that. I actually injured myself recently too, but it was like a real injury, quote unquote. You know, not <laughs> me getting out of bed and hurting my neck. Like that was just me. I think I just slept wrong. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just like you know slept on one of my pillows weird or something. Um, this is from you know I've been work you know in the gym a lot lately and. Apparently, like, I have, uh, l- let's be real, I don't always do all my leg days, right? You know, I'm, I'm a, like, I'm a pretty proportional dude, and I don't have a ton of upper body strength, and I'm, like, I've been working on, like, you know, a lot of the upper body workouts and stuff, and haven't been doing the leg stuff as much, but uh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Do you know uh, the muscle that, where, like, your hamstring meets your glute? So it's, like, into your butt, pretty much. And it's, like, the very top of your hamstring, it's, like, almost by your hip. Like, it comes up in that little area. Like a hip flexor? Yeah, so it's like a hip flexor, but it's, like, more inside, if that if that makes sense. Sure. Because, like, like, obviously it affects my hip flexors, but I pulled one of those muscles extremely badly. And when I say extremely badly, like, I was bent over in, like, a- agony, and my friend was like, are, like, you okay? I was like, no, you need to, like, walk away for a second. I think I'm going to throw up. Like, I, I was hurting that bad. Like, I started actually gagging and stuff, but I was like, oh, man, this this hurt really bad. So if, like... You know, the next four or five days, I was just, like, super tender, and then, like, I'd, like, overcompensate, and so I'd get, like, sore, or, like, you know, if I'm sitting in a chair for too long, I'd have to get up and move around. Thankfully, uh, one of my friends has a massage gun, and I've stolen that from him, and I've been using that a lot lately. So I did yeah. a leg workout the other day, so I've been able to walk for a day and a half. Also, I'm in Texas right now, and it's, like, been snowing, and it's been, like, I opened the door to my car today, and the ice, like, fell off. I've never, that's never been a thing for me in my life, ever, <laughs> you know? Like I had, like I got in the car, started to drive. I had to stop because I forgot. That, like I didn't think about this, but I have to peel the ice off of the off of my mirrors because yeah. I can't see. Because there's and it's funny, you just touch it and like a mirror shaped ice thing just comes falling out. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And like I don't have an ice pick, so I got like a a perfect fit, not a perfect fit. Uh, what's the what's the hard one? Um, uh, a top loader. A top loader. I went and got a top loader. Was like scraping my window with it and stuff because like I don't I don't have anything to like scrape my windows. Like you know this well, isn't a thing that happens. In, so. in case anyone at home was doubting whether or not we are indeed very old, we are very very old. I think 
it, it is funny when it comes up every now and then how much older I am than you, but because like, let's be real, you're older than me. Like you, you <laughs> actually older are. in spirit. <laughs> uh, maybe a few other things. Your liver is definitely older too. <laughs> but uh, Ross, I, I want the record to show Ross nodded an affirmative there. So uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no uh, there's no denying that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Uh, let's go ahead and start talking about, you know, what we're going to talk about in today's episode. Cause you know, we've been having to take a little bit of time off lately, super busy. Weather's been crazy. You've been sick, uh, you know, stuff like that. But we're going to try to get back onto the, the normal schedule. And I think it, you wanted to be able to finish up some of these, uh, these preview cards that we didn't get to, or just spend a lot of time on, uh, last time when we were around, was there anything, a couple in particular that you were talking about? Um, I just figured we'd go through and try to touch the ones that we didn't get to on the last episode. Sure. Um, you know, looking at the card list, I can see just to start out the Eternal Wanderer, one of the main planeswalkers, <laughs> and a card that will no doubt be unbelievably annoying and limited since it is not a mythic rare; it's just a yeah. rare. I don't like rare planeswalkers and limited. But anyway, well, yeah, when did when did they stop putting all planeswalkers as mythics? Did when they that... started putting fourteen planeswalkers in sets for us. Well, yeah, I, obviously I knew they did it for War of the Spark, but. It's, um, it's, it it has to do with that. It has to do with the yeah. fact that like they just can't. They don't have enough mythic slots. Like they can't just be like, well, every mythic in the set's a planeswalker. Like we don't. We can't have a mythic another. You know, I can't make a good creature in green anymore. Or <laughs> I can't make a good black creature anymore. You know, like so. Uh, I think it's something like that. So I I think that's going to be probably be one of my complaints in this limited format. Cause, you know, I play them a lot. Is the fact that I'm going to be having to play against these cards more often than normal, and it's going to be annoying as hell. But it's going to be great when I have it. I'm just going to really hate it when my opponent has it. Yeah. Well. Check out this card, because it's four sure. white-white for a five-loyalty Planeswalker. It says that no more than one creature can attack the Eternal Wanderer each combat. So already, starting at five can only be attacked by one creature. It, very difficult to kill in combat, which mm -hmm. is the you know number one way you want to answer a Planeswalker, since it doesn't cost you any cards to do that. Uh, so that's already a, a huge plus in this card's favor, that it's very... You basically force them to have some sort of direct answer. It says, plus one, exile up to one target artifact or creature, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of that player's next end step. Uh, so a little blink value. Zero loyalty, create a 2-2 white samurai creature token with double strike. And then minus four, so ostensibly an ultimate that you can use right away. For each player, choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control not chosen this way. So a, a sort of tragic arrogance stapled onto this Planeswalker. I think the only thing holding this card back for me is the fact that it's six mana, but otherwise, like, I like this card a lot. Like, I like everything about this card. Yeah, and when I think about the way Standard is right now, there's all of this grinding value with different tokens, you know, generating extra bodies with Fable the Mirror Breaker and Wedding Announcement. Okay. So that minus four can be really effective. Like, you get to keep your... Uh, the, what's the Esper three drop, um, Rafine. Rafine, yeah. And, uh, they, you, you let them have a one, one, you know, for or a one, one token. Not to mention the plus one's pretty good on some of these as well. You can reset your enchantment and then minus four, like next turn, maybe. Right. It, uh, it's artifact or creature. Oh, so you, you get can't. Blink. Yeah. But what happens if you blink the, the, the creature, the saga has become. Oh, you can, so yeah, you can blink, um, I've already talked about with Wedding Announcement. So, sure, sorry. Uh, no, but I mean, with, yeah, with, with, with Reflection of the Mirror Breaker. Reflection, yeah. You can blink and reset that. 
you know, generate value with things like Profine's Informant, reset different, uh, like, you know, glass casket-y kind of cards. It like, gives a creature vigilance, practically, too. You can, yeah. like, attack, blanket, you know, like... And the 2-2 Double Striker is, like, that, those cards will trade effectively. They yeah. will trade up. The, you know, if you're if you're casting this card onto an empty board, they will end the game very quickly. You're attacking if, for four next turn, then eight. Ross, tell me what's wrong with this card other than the fact that it costs six. I'm not seeing it. Like, it I'm it seems it excellent in any sort of mid-range mirror where you're just trying to play Haymaker Magic. Uh, and that's, you know, based on my understanding is a lot of what Standard is about right now. Uh, it seems utterly, utterly absurd and limited. I just can't imagine beating this card. Like I will be conceding this card a lot. Yeah. yeah, this is one of the best limited cards I think ever printed. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it'd be a, it'd be very very good even without the uh, the static ability. The static ability makes it absurd. I think. Yeah. So it just makes it so hard to answer, especially for like red decks that are trying to do with direct damage, like the. The card is quite good. I expected to see play in standard. Uh, probably too expensive for other formats. Yeah, yeah. I can't see paying six mana for. I mean, like, there's maybe a world in which it could be playable in Pioneer when a, a bunch of stuff happens. But yeah, this is this looks like a, a standard standout yeah. to me. How, how do you compare this card to Elspeth Sun's Champion? Because I think that's the the most direct comparison in terms of functionality. Um, but I think it. I think it compares pretty pretty similarly, actually. Like, the more I think about it, because I was like, oh, it's like three creatures versus one, but, like, the minus ability is very similar. The uh, the fact that it's very hard to kill is extremely similar, because, like, that was the good thing about is Elspeth, right? You'd play it, you'd make three one ones, and you're like, go, good luck killing my thing. Like, you, you had yeah. to have a destroy target Planeswalker card to kill it, and this thing s- seems to be exact. Like, this seems just as hard to kill in combat, and, like, just as you need to answer this now. And um, if you recall, Elspeth yeah. Sun's champion was unbelievably busted and limited. <laughs> yeah, uh, that one that one could run away with a game. I think a little bit faster. I don't know because like you just make three one ones, make three ones, make three ones. Ultimate yeah. kill you. Like uh, this, the ultimate doesn't kill you from the same perspective as like oh whatever's left over kills you, like kind of thing. So it doesn't compare directly in that sense. But every other way, yeah, this is a very good port. Um, going down the list, the next rare slash mythic that we have not hit is Noran's Wellspring. One of the white artifact, whenever a creature you control dies, scry one and put an oil counter on Noran's Wellspring. One tap, remove two oil counters from it, draw a card. Um, as a standalone card, I do not think this is good enough. Just a, a little too slow and not impacting the battlefield. But if there was ever a deck that cared about oil counter synergies in some way, and you just wanted to generate counters on your permanents that maybe you've got something going. But I think there needs to be a little bit of something extra that you're getting out of this card uh, other than how it reads at face value. Yeah, uh, 100% agree with you. Like, I don't know if you saw my face and I read this card, but I was just kind of like, meh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is one of those cards, it's like, one, it's face value, like you said. You're you're very underwhelmed. If you put it in the right shell with a bunch of stuff working around it, then it's great. And that means that, like, the card needs a lot to go well. So that's a lot to ask. That being said, the artwork of this card is hauntingly beautiful it's weird as hell and great but anyway um did we talk about Skrelv? the um can, can we do one uh before, right before that though on the what? list uh obfuscation ossification ossification oh. sorry i had this stuff really small ross yeah all right sorry anyway but this one uh i think this is one that could possibly uh get played in some spots as well this is one in the white for enchantment aura enchantment basic lane you control 
uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. So this is kind of like a new chain to the rocks type thing, except it can hit planeswalkers and it costs two. Now, in um, in standard right now, I think this card is like pretty damn playable. The, and it does say enchant basic land control, which is pretty big because you don't want to enchant a non-basic in this format because there are ways to kill non-basic lands. Yeah. You don't want to run into a format where that's the thing. We start all playing Field of Run or the new Field of Run, whatever it's called. But this feels like a pretty good catch-all removal spell if like you don't want to run a ton in your deck and you just want to make sure you can kill whatever. Plus, uh, exiling, always you know better than non-exiling. You know, getting to actually remove the creature from play. So does you know there are some dies uh, triggers like you know we were just talking about a card in Norrin's Wellspring that you know if something dies it does something. So I think this is a card that has a chance to start showing up in some places. Yeah, I agree. This is a very solid removal spell. Standard has a lot of three color decks without a lot of basics, which could be mm-hmm. a problem. Uh, yeah. But this is a you know a pretty strong incentive to stay one or two colors. I could also see it in the sideboard of humans and pioneer. You know, mm. th- they have this eclectic mix of kind of mediocre removal spells. Uh, this yeah. one is a lot more flexible than some of the ones they're playing, like Destroy Evil or like uh, Destroy Evil or um, what's the other one that they like uh, Declaration in Stone. Sure, yeah, like yeah, that one. If you're if you're not playing enough matchups where it hits two things at once, then like yeah, but like this is this is a card that answers uh, the Green Cavalier, you know, right away. It answers yeah. uh, Old Grove Troll without triggering the abilities. And like if you've played Mono White versus Mono Green. If you can answer those on curve while you're attacking, that's generally enough to win you the game in those matchups. You need to be able to answer those the turn they hit or, like, the turn where you're about to attack one. Because, like, yeah, you might not have, uh, was it Brave the Elements? And if it's in a matchup where that card's not that great anyway, like, maybe this is better because this could also answer Karn before it, like, completely gets out of control on you or just something like that. So, yeah, I actually like that. I didn't even think about that. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, next up is Skrelv, Defector Might. A single white mana for a 1-1 legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Might, has Toxic 1, can't block, and for a Phyrexian White uh, mana, you can tap it, choose a color, another target creature you control gains, Toxic 1, and Hexproof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn. Um, So, sort of like a Phyrexian Giver of Runes uh, going on here. I like the idea of being able to push some toxic damage through if you need to get your opponent to that threshold of three to turn on your corrupted cards that said i haven't really seen a lot of corrupted cards that look constructed playable i'm right there with you with that i do have a question though does toxic stack like yes two different instances of stock toxic one so okay cool it's kind of like lifelink back in the day sure yeah good Uh, so then like if you put this onto a creature that already has toxic because that's going to happen uh, with this card you will get the extra counter sure yeah, it's because uh, it says also gets a poison counter in the reminder text of Toxic, so sure. okay, every so instance yeah, yeah. of also it's will, not will a replacement effect. Yeah, uh, But though it is not, the, the poison counter is not a trigger. It's still a static effect. Mm-hmm. You all you just get yeah. the poison counter at the same time you would get damage uh, in case that's also relevant. Uh, the, the notable thing that I actually see on this card is the, you know, they've been talking, Wizards has talked about how they don't really like protection as an ability and they've been moving away from it in recent years and if you look at this card they went out of their way to not use protection mm-hmm. and instead say hexproof and can't yeah. be blocked which are only two aspects of it so yeah. it's not going to make equipment fall off it's not going to make um you know, the auras fall off shit yeah the weird yeah. corner case stupid stuff which is actually big like the aura thing can be it can be a thing yeah like if, or- you're, if you're playing the mirror you can be like all right this this has 
you know, quote unquote pro white, but you have like your white enchantment on it to pump yeah. that up or your green enchantment to pump that up. You can say pro green and still attack in with, uh, what's, what's the the green rancor and standard now, the new one that I think is going to have some, yeah, try to I, play that in the toxic talking about, I think it's I trample something with an A, I think, or whatever. Anyway, um, I think one of the big, the big drawbacks when I look at this card is if I'm playing the deck that wants this card, I want four of these, right? It is a legend. And I am worried about the fact that, like, you can't have two of these in play because, like, if you get, you know, like, the Giver of Runes lock or the Mom lock back then, if you get two of them in play, like, your opponent can't do anything ever again. You yeah, know, kind of thing. There's a significant part of the value of them that, like, you really yeah. can't let your opponent have two, and in this case, uh -huh. you don't have to worry about that. That's, that's yeah. a good point. It's just, just, it also just doesn't feel like a card that needed to be legendary, but I guess yeah. Skrelv is a, you know, character from yeah, this universe. Yeah. I feel like it was that where they didn't want that to happen. They didn't want the mom yeah. effect happening. Uh, for everybody, and uh, hopefully everybody understands who we're talking about when we're talking about mom. We're talking about mother of runes from way we're back talking about Lois Miriam, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not your mother, not my mother. Not Colleen Grace. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, um, okay, I'm lukewarm on this card. I can see it being good in the right deck, but I'm kind of like going back to exactly what you first said, where like, where's the deck that really wants this? You know, like, because, like, I don't know if Toxic's going to be a thing as, yeah, like, it I, was of Poison, but... I, I think that this Toxic mechanic isn't really going to find its way into Constructed, maybe a little bit in Standard here, here and then, mm -hmm. um, but certainly not older formats. But I do think it is a much better limited mechanic than oh, yeah. Infect was. You know, Infect had that uh, impact, you know, had that effect of creating this bifurcated format where you could either be an infect deck or a not infect deck and you really didn't want to cross streams at all uh so it, it made it really difficult for you to use the golgari colors in conjunction with any non-golgari colors um uh, at least until blight widow got printed and mirrored and besieged then you saw a little bit more bleeding sure uh, sure but still like you, re you really want it to be an infect deck this, and this, he, here you're going to see every deck want like a little bit of toxic to turn on these powerful corrupted cards uh, for limited play. So I, th I I like the mechanic for limited, but I don't. It doesn't read to me as a constructed power level thing. I was about to say the same thing. I think this is going to be a limited card for sure. Another one that we, we talk about being very good limited and just eh, not so sure. Okay, uh, moving on to blue. I like you uh, leading the discussion. By the way, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> I see Blade of Shared Souls. Uh, this is one of the equipment in the set that has the ability for Mirrodin, which is... I think you have to yell, by the way. You can't just say... <laughs> oh, yeah, monitor. because of the exclamation point. For Mirrodin! For Mirrodin! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're contractually obligated. Like, sorry. And uh, basically living weapon, but instead of getting a 0-0 zero, zero germ, you get a 2-2 two, two red rebel creature uh, that attaches to it. So even, even better than living weapon, seeing as if they destroy the equipment, you'll still have a 2-2 two, two around. So a very powerful mechanic because it, it it turns equipment into just an actual threat that has built-in card advantage and this ability to be a, a mana sink in the late game and, and really uh, reduces the amount of clunkiness that the equipment has since just the, the initial casting cost is all you need to get an on-the-battlefield impact as opposed to that casting cost plus the equip cost. Mm -hmm. uh, so this one's two to blue. So already you're getting a three-mana 2-2 two -two with this equipment on it. And it says, whenever Blade of Shared Souls becomes attached to a creature, for as long as it remains attached to it, you may have that creature become a copy of another target creature you control. Uh, I think this card's pretty good. I don't know how good it's going to be in Constructed, just because it's a little slow. Uh, in Limited, this is a fucking bomb. It's just, yeah. you always have the two copies of your best creature for two mana. 
Like you're just gonna move it around. You're gonna turn your one one into a five five or whatever and just start attacking. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And um, you can you do that on yeah. offense and defense. So yeah. you have like one big thing equipped, attack with it, then move it over to a, another exactly. creature, copy your exactly. big thing again. Yeah. And so you can stop them on, on mm -hmm. both sides of the ball. Uh just remember the damage will stay there. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure, right? The damage oh, will yeah. stay there if so it, your if creature it, might die. Yeah. When you move for people and playing IRL magic, make sure you're you're doing that. I do think this is gonna be a commander card. For sure. This seems like a very sweet commander card to me. Now, note that this is unique in terms of clone effects in that you don't get to trigger ETB abilities right. on whatever creature you copy. Uh, so you're mainly just going for size, I would think, or maybe mm -hmm. potentially like additional activated abilities or, you know, give it something flying, uh, you know, th things like that. But you're not going to be able to, you know, you can't cast this card and have it the 2-2 two -two copy a Reflector Mage and get to bounce something bounce. else. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not quite that busted, but still very good yeah. because it's so reasonably costed. Like I would have expected this card to cost four or five. I would play this in, in humans in pioneer or standard. If that were yeah. the case, like you get all the come into play abilities, you just keep moving it. Um, that being said, if you have a deck that has creatures that have value in some way, plus you have blink effects, this is a really cool blink target. And the fact that again, you don't get the enter of the battlefield ability, but like, let's say you attack with it as something. And then you like say go or whatever, and like they attack you back. You're like, all right, well, blink this thing. It comes into play. Copy my other thing again. Like you know, kind of like untaps it or you know changes what what, what it's gonna be. So lots of cool things to be able to do with this card here. Um, not sure about it in standard though. I could That's see it overall. honestly. I th I think Possibly. it is reasonably costed enough uh, and a versatile card. Like you know, if you're playing a ton of long games where you're using a bunch of mana and and everybody's running low on resources. The cumulative effect of what this card brings is going to be felt. What about what about the blue white soldier deck that could possibly show up in standard? Like this copying, you know, you're playing a bunch of lords, you're playing a bunch of creatures that do stuff. Like when you attack with you know five or more, etc. Like yeah, this this card might be pretty good in that. Yeah, I could definitely see it in there for sure. Yeah, a lot of synergy going on with this. So yeah, definitely. Hey, you know what? I'm not spoke too soon. This might be a player in standard. And like you said, this could be a cool card in like. You know, generally, if that deck's playable, the mirrors generally get to be like whoever has the bigger board and the extra extra lord wins, and this just gives you all the extra copies of all your extra stuff. So, like, this seems like it might be a pretty cool card in the mirror. Maybe not against the deck that's just got a bunch of removal spells, but like <laughs> maybe you know, maybe this just helps you grind yeah. through it enough. So we'll see. Yeah, it does provide inherent card advantage where you have the equipment and the creatures. So against spot removal, it, it's gonna help you. Yeah, true. Um, Moving down in blue, we did Blue Sun's Twilight the other episode. Yep. Uh, I would like to talk briefly about uh, Bring the Ending and Distorted Curiosity, since I think sure. they're two of the better corrupted cards. Yeah. Uh, bring the Ending is a one in a blue instant counter-target spell unless it's controller base two, but if they have three or more uh, poison counters, then it's just counter spell. And Distorted Curiosity is a divination, two in a blue sorcery, draw two cards, but costs two less if an <laughs> opponent has three or more poison counters, so you get that sort of thought cast effect. If you can cast these cards and your deck can give poison counters, these are slam dunks. I think these cards are very, very good. Uh, we've seen, what is it, Quench? I think was the two-mana counter, unless they pay two. Yeah. Right? So, like, this is just a better Quench, right? Well, just, we, we've seen the best Quench variant so far. WotC has printed a lot of them over the last few years, and they've usually been kind of meh, like revolutionary rebuff well, was it and, and so on. Miscalc the best one? I think Miscalc is uh, my favorite. Well, I mean, in, in, the, in recent years. Sure, the, in the recent um, years. What's the one with uh, where you sack a creature and you get another copy of it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Uh, make disappear. Yeah, make disappear. There we go. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, I registered that still, still, a month ago. Can't remember. Still got it, Ross. Still got it. No, yeah. I really, really don't. Uh, anyway. So it, it does have have uh, some stiff competition with Make Disappear, but the, you know, I think if there is a, a some corrupted stuff going on and constructed, I expect these two cards will be a part of it because yeah. Counterspell and One Mana Draw Two is very, very powerful. And w the thing with Bring the Ending Two is. Usually that quench is going to be live on the early turns when mm -hmm. they don't have poison counters. It's the late turns when the card gets pretty quickly dead, and that's usually when Corrupted's going to be on. So it sort of compensates in the right places to uh, make the card relevant at every stage of the game. Uh, I think that's actually the best point I've heard made about this card. I hadn't thought about it that way, and that makes it perfect. I'm, I'm in. I'm in on both <laughs> these cards. Uh, just sort of curiosity is a little bit uh, uh, lower ceiling. For me, yeah, one mana draw two cards is great. I don't ever want to pay three mana for this. Yeah. The only time I've ever been okay casting Divination was in the deck where I had no win conditions besides, <laughs> like, Elixir of Immortality, and I'm literally just trying to two-for-one as many times as I possibly can. And I was... We had Divination in that deck, a lot of them, and I was happy about it, Ross. Uh, other than that, we're not playing that in Constructed. Yeah. We're, we're a little past that. Right. Uh, encroaching Mycosynth, three and a blue artifact. Non-land permanents you control are artifacts in addition to their other types. The same is true for permanent spells you control and non-land permanent cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. Uh, this, to me, is just a commander card that I'm sure yes. will create some busted combos, but I do not see any potential in real formats. Yeah, it's just too it's just too expensive, right? For formats where like someone's trying to kill you from like turn one. Yeah, yeah. For, you know, four like... mana cards that do not affect the battlefield. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm you generally be, not interested in. You better be busted in some way. Like, yeah, you better you, be doing. You, you better be generating a ton of extra mana, like Fires of Invention or Wilderness Reclamation, <laughs> and this card isn't really doing that. Yeah. Uh, going down the list of rares and mythics, we got Mercurial Spell Dancer. I don't think we did this one before. This is a one and a blue two one Phyrexian sure. Rogue. Can't be blocked. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on it, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may remove two oil counters from it. If you do, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Pretty interesting card here. So I got tagged on this card a lot when it got spoiled. Some people were like, hey, like, you know, DM to me this card because this is a Tannin card, right? It's a blue-red spells, like, Delverish type yeah. thing, right? Very Dreadhorde Arcanist-y. Yeah. A uh, few things. It not being able to block is an actual, like, is an actual thing that can kind of no, suck. It's but not, it, it can't block. It's it can't be blocked. Oh, it can't be blocked. I so you always block. connect okay. with them. Yeah, okay, way better. Okay, this card's way better. For some reason, I read that it can't block. Because yeah. I'm thinking it's like a might, right? All the mites in this. Because there's so many cards in this that can't block. So, yeah. sorry. I apologize. Um, I do think people are underestimating how much time and effort in, say, like, standard and or pioneer is going to be to cast two non-creature spells, put the two oil counters on this. Then it's like, attack them, have this be relevant. Because, like, I, I see people in my mind going, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play this, you know, play a bunch of cantrips in, like, my blue-red deck or whatever, right? Uh, attack them, hit them after getting two oil counts on it, do this, and then exile my graveyard and draw six cards. You know? Like, yeah, that that's great, right? But what has your opponent been doing during that time? Like, you're not you're not affecting them. Like, you're just attacking for two, right? Yeah. And, like, maybe you pair this with uh, Ironclast, uh, you know, the, the new Pyromancer. You know, if you're playing blue-red, you know, obviously, like, you're making 1-1, one, one, so you can kind of, like flood the board a little bit and stuff there so it's one of those things where like i need to see this card played out and you see the decks that it's in before i can get I, I get excited by cards like this very easily but i've been hurt so many times before ross by them being actually unplayable yeah and i want i feel like you think this is on like not as good as well 
Yeah, I'm not as high on it as I've seen some other people be, uh, in large part because of the significant restrictions put on it. The fact that you only get the option to remove the counters when it connects, and then you yeah. have to play something post-combat. Yes. So like you said, obviously if you play it on turn two, then turn three, play two one-mana spells, attack them, you know, then play another one-mana spell and copy it, you're looking pretty good. But now you've just played three spells. How many more do you have? Yeah. You know... Um, better all be cantrips and then like you're not doing like you can't do something main phase one to like affect their board to get your other creatures through you know yeah. like i mm, it, it feels like a lot of work ross like a lot of work yeah and the fact that you need two it, you know it there is a lot and that any game where your opponent is you know thought seizing you and reducing your hand exactly. size yeah it's going to be really slow to do anything and then ultimately like you know, if it's really slow, you're going to maybe draw an extra card every couple turns. Now, it, it's a the thing that intrigues me is that it is a low opportunity cost card. You know, it's just sure. a two-mana creature. Sure. You're going to get in for two every turn because it can't be blocked. Um, you know, if you have other oil counter synergies, then maybe you're using the counters to move on to other stuff and uh, do something cool. I don't know if there's a way to like move around oil counters, but there's like a few things I yeah. think that that do some stuff. I have to look through the I haven't looked through all the commons and stuff yet, and you know there 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 is proliferate in this set. There is like one in a blue draw a card proliferate, which is like an okay card with this as well because it like puts the second counter on and then attack like whatever. But like now you're playing suboptimal cards in your deck to make this card better. And when I think about this card in a vacuum, I I obviously compare it to something like Young Pyromancer or the new version of Young Pyromancer, the blue red iconoclast or whatever it's called. And, and stuff like that, where I'm I'm having to go through hoops to make this card good, right? I'm having to, tr- like, build my deck around it, try a little bit harder than I do with a card like Young Pyromancer. And, you know, you, you might think, Tannen, like, why is this, you know, why are you making that comparison? This card's, like, more, quote-unquote, powerful than that card, you know, because it does, like, this yeah, stuff. It definitely has the a higher card, upside, but a yes, much lower floor. Way lower, because the other card rewards you for playing Magic. Like, I'm playing a 2-1, I do practically anything in my deck if it's built correctly, and I'm getting all these 1-1s without having to, like, attack you first, remove counters off of it, like, keep up with all this stuff, make sure that I have stuff or whatever, right? The other one, I'm, like, making progressive plays, like, I'm bolting your creature, attacking you, making extra 1-1s and stuff, so it's a it's a lower opportunity cost with a higher floor, like you were saying, exactly, like, you nailed yeah. the, you nailed it on the head there, so uh, I'm lukewarm on this. Same. And I, I think it's a card that a lot of people are, if they're hyping it up in their head, it's going to play worse than it reads, because... Yes. You can always, with cards that have that kind of high upside, you always read them and imagine the ups, realizing the upside, but mm-hmm. you don't imagine the games where, like, you only have two spells, and yeah, you've got some oil yep. counters on your 2-1 unblockable, but then you don't really have a good spell to yep. cast with it, uh, or, you, you know, you only the only spell you get to cast with it is a cantrip, and you're like, yeah, cool. Yep. My my two mana 2-1 drew, drew an extra card, yeah. and that's like, not really, you know, where magic is these days. Yeah, and, like, even thinking about this Unlimited, like, it's a 2-1 unblockable creature. That's practically it. Because, like, to get the counters on it, like, you're going to have to go through hoops. You're going to have to play a non-creature spell, and then you're going to have to, like, find a second non-creature spell or another way to put an oil counter on it. And then you're going to have to have a non-creature spell that matters, right? And it's Or, sorry, an instant or sorcery that matters. Now, it does say non-creature spell, so things like Planeswalkers and Enchantments do trigger this, but you could only copy instant or sorceries. So, like... You know, it's a little more flexible than I thought it was, but yeah. In limited, I'm happy yeah. to just have a two mana two one that oh, can't be yeah. blocked. That's so what I'm saying. Like that's, all that's the upside, all the other stuff yeah. is just gravy. That's what it is. It's all land yet, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's all extra. You know, like so. 
Uh, for all of you non-Southerners, land yet just means extra. Uh, <laughs> for all you non-Louisiana people, uh, or maybe some Florida people get that too. But, uh, I remember I said that on I said that on coverage once. Like I was doing coverage for like some big event, like across you know something across the world. I said land yap, and my co-caster like we go to commercial. He goes, "What the fuck does land yap mean?" I was like, "Yeah, don't worry <laughs> about that one." Also, can't spell it to save my life. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm a little more lukewarm on this than most people probably. Hey, uh, I did get excited when I first read it. I was like, "Ooh, you know, like a two look a two one rare creature." with one in a blue and a lot of text on it usually gets me usually gets me excited Ross for some reason like blue or red two ones for for two I'm like in <laughs> that's, that's my jam but I don't know um a card that I'm a little higher on I think than most mind splice apparatus Ooh, I'm kind of surprised by that all right go ahead three and a blue artifact with flash at the beginning of your upkeep put an oil counter on it an instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each oil counter on it I think, you know, uh, Yeoman5 brought this up on, on Twitter, but obviously the, it, it's a kind of a feel bad to play Memory Deluge with this because your Deluge, you yeah, know, you're going to see fewer cards as you pay less. But yeah. paying two mana to just draw two cards is pretty nice. And then, you know, flashing it back for two mana a couple of turns later and drawing two more cards also still really nice. Uh, and... Uh, you know, this is a card that plays really well with the the two mana um, um, anticipate that proliferates. Mm-hmm. You, you cast this card on the end step. You untap, get a counter on it. Play that thing for one mana. Anticipate, put another counter on it. Now all your spells cost two less. You know you're right, going to be able to play some impressively low cast and cost counter spells at that point. You're convincing um, me I, a little bit more here. Yeah, the fact that this card has flash, meaning that like you get to kind of like. Obviously, you're going to play this in a reactive deck with a bunch of counter spells and card draw spells and removal. Mm. Um, and so you can pick and choose your spot to resolve it. And then once you untap with it, you just start generating all the mana back from it pr- pretty quickly. You know, it's it's sort of like a control version of of, of um, Wilderness Reclamation in, in sure. that respect. Obviously, not as powerful mm. uh, in terms of like, you know, going over the top with X spells, but it still synergizes pretty well with X spells in a long game. You know, if you're playing it with uh, the the Twilight cards, like Blue Sun's Twilight, or playing it with, um, you know, with the uh, the marches uh, that are still in standard, this can do some good stuff. Now, it's going to require metagames where they there isn't a ton of artifact removal around, because investing four man into this only to lose it to like an abrade yeah. or some similar card is not where you want to be. Mm. Uh, but I think in metagames where you can reliably untap with this card, it's going to do powerful things. Uh, you've convinced me to be a little more excited about this than I was originally, and, like, this is the kind of card that I can get behind. This is the kind yeah. of thing that I, I'd mess around with, you know, to find out, but, um, four mana is a lot, like you said, and I, I think it comes down to how easily is this to be removed on the average game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, next, maybe the most contentious card in the set, minor misstep. One blue instant uncommon counter target spell with mana value one or less. I don't want to touch this one on all Ross. This is going to be a wait and see for me kind of thing. Okay. Like there's sometimes I re- like this is my favorite, like the duality of man kind of thing. I remember when this got previewed, like I, I should have taken multiple screenshots of my Twitter because it would be like, you know, I'd be scrolling, doom scrolling on my phone. It'd be like one person, one person, right? I'd see two things and it would be two different people talking about minor misstep and one person saying this card's busted it's great it's in good in every format you know like take this card out this out this ball and then the other person's like yeah this card sucks 
yeah, like, why would you ever play this over Flusterstorm? You know what I mean? Like, just little things like that. I'm like, you know you got something in a card when you have the full spectrum of the responses. I, I will say one thing about the, this card, you know, one and I will less, say this. One, one or less things? Hey, adding one mana to the mana cost of a card is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've heard me talk about this quite a bit. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm lower on it than most. <laughs> uh, so last up for blue that we have yet to get to is one of my favorite cards in the set. Ooh. Unctus Grand Metatect. One sure. blue blue two four legendary artifact creature Phyrexian Vidalcan. Other blue creatures you control have whenever this creature becomes tapped, draw a card and discard a card. Other artifact creatures you control get plus and plus one. And for a blue Phyrexian mana, until end of turn, target creature you control becomes a blue artifact in addition to its other colors and types. Activate only as a sorcery. So, one thing I can say right away, I'm pretty excited the fact that it's a 2-4. So it's yeah. going to survive a lot of removal. And the fact that like you can't just strangle this or bolt it or whatever, you know, form a 3 damage. Because that's a big deal, right? Other artifact creatures control get plus and plus 1. I think people need to remember how many artifact creatures are actually in standard right now because there was a ton of Kamigawa and then forward. And there could maybe be something here in like making this kind of like a lord with some upside, especially if like they're blue creatures. And why are you so excited about this card? Because this doesn't seem like a Ross card to me. The, or why it, do you like it so it much? It just has a lot of good things going on. I'm not exactly sure how to best use it. Sure. But, you know, anthoming your artifact creatures getting a bunch of card selection, uh, you know, card selection out of what is likely going to be a deck that is full of creatures, so probably doesn't have a lot of card selection, uh, so th those kind of decks need it. I think that your point about the four toughness is very important. This is a difficult card to kill. Uh, I just, I see it doing a lot of cool things. I wonder if, you know, the if you remember that tier three deck from years ago, Blue Steel in Modern. I do, yeah. This is a card that can fit into that deck. Maybe you start playing this along with Grand Architect and you can play Mox Amber and you start doing a bunch of cool stuff. I don't know. I just know there's a lot of intriguing things about this card. Uh, so I'm not saying it's, you know, my pick for the best card in the set, but I like cards that do a lot of cool stuff and I'm not really... This is a, this is the kind of card that I'm going to have to play with or watch other people play with in order to get a great feel for it because I guarantee you it's going to do a lot more than you can think of a priori. Someone's going to do something with it. You're going to be like, oh, that's cool. I yeah. didn't think about that. You know, so definitely can see that for gonna sure. going to do a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. All right. What was in black for you? Okay. Black that we have yet to talk about. Um, uh, we did the Twilight. Oh, we Archfiend of the Dross. Sure. Uh, 2BB for 6-6 Flyer for Exian Demon. Enters the battlefield with four oil counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove an oil counter from Archfiend of the Dross. Then if it has no oil counters on it, you lose the game. And whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, its controller loses two life. Um, so, giant, you know, giant creature. Difficult to kill. Is it just me, or is this just like Desecration Demon 2.0, and I'm, I'm here for it? Like... And I, I'm also here for it, in part because, you know, it's, it seems like it's going to be pretty easy to kill them if your opponent yes. tries to let this go unanswered. Yeah, if like, they're like, oh, I'll just leave it in play. You're like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Block it? I'll kill your creature. You took two from that. Now I'll take another six from my creature attacking you. Like, yeah. 
yeah, it's, it's in black, right? So, like, you can maybe even play this in, like, black, blue. You have anything with proliferate on it. Like, any card with proliferate on your river. That's great. Like, you can just, you know, keep this around extra. It's non-legendary, so you can start slamming these on people. And, like, R Ross, give me the real, like, drawback fr from this. I, I, besides someone, like, arresting it, you know? like Yeah. Like, that, that would be, that would be the big problem, but those cards don't see a lot of play, so no. I'm not too worried about it. Like, it's just gigantic. You want to know that the only drawback for it for me well, here is it's four mana and black. That's literally it. Yeah. And the fact that, like, you're going to get your four slot pretty cluttered, you know, because you have, uh, what's her name in the four slot that's just busted. Uh, why did I just forget Shieldred. her name? Shieldred. I wanted to call her Elishnord because, like, you know, it's this set and it's Elishnord. But yeah, we have Shieldred and, like, that's the thing. But anybody who remembers back in the day, like, Desecration Demon and the fact that, like, yeah, I remember when we first saw it, we are like, oh, yeah, it's got this, like, thing. And then you play it in a game for the first time. You play it in Limited, you play it in Truck, and you're like, holy shit. Like, the effect this 6-6 six, six flyer <laughs> for 4 had. You're like, oh, my God. This and is this so big. Drawback. This one's drawback is arguably, like, way easier to deal with. Like, yeah, like, I lose the game in 4 turns, but, like, there might not be a game in 4 <laughs> turns for us. There probably won't be a game in 4 yeah. turns. If this like, goes unanswered for 3 turns, you're attacking for 18 and, and so you have to kill one of their creatures, or have gotten yeah. into other damage somehow. Yeah. So you know what you know what Black's really good at killing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's like really good at it. In fact, it might be its identity. So I'm like completely here for this this card. Like, you know, there's a chance that this doesn't fit anywhere, right? But you know, we've we've had a lot of people talking about mono black and stuff, and like, yeah, if you just make mono black with like a bunch of like good removal spells, Phyrexian arenas, Archfiend of the Dross, and uh, what's it called, Sheholdrids? Like, I'm I'm here for it. Maybe a splash, a little bit of a second color here to make sure, like, you know, if you need something to make sure Archfiend can drop. But here's the other thing, too. You could just kill your own fucking Archfiend, Ross. Like, because you're going to have a bunch of removal spells in your deck, and you're like, well, it's about to kill me. In a turn, I'll kill my own Archfiend, right? You know, like, and they're like, oh, well, I guess that happens. And you're like, play another one. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, I guess we'll keep going, you know? Yeah, and it, it I think it's very good. Um, and th that said, Shieldred is awesome, so it's going to be hard to play both. How did Maybe I miss it has this to card? wait for Shieldred to leave. Yeah, how did I just miss this card? This is, like, my first time seeing it somehow, and, like, this is quickly becoming one of my favorite cards in the set, and what I think is one of the best cards in the set, honestly. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. not, it's, look, it's not as flashy as some of the other stuff, because it doesn't do this, like, big, ridiculous thing. It doesn't, like, kill something and bring something back for the other. It's not a Planeswalker with 14 abilities, but, like, this does what's the most important thing in Magic. It kills, kills your freaking <laughs> opponent, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> kills them. Yeah, it kills them. What does this card do? It kills them. Yeah, like, I don't care what cards my opponent has if they're dead. <laughs> yeah, like, that's my favorite thing in the game. They're like, oh, they show your hand, and you're like, yeah, it's too bad you didn't get to cast that because you're dead. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, like, this This is, like, one of my favorite cards in the entire set. Yeah. N next up, we've got what is sure to be one of the better uncommons in Limited and probably a, a constructed option for removal, Drown in Icker. One in a black sorcery. Target creature gets minus four, minus four until end of turn. Proliferate. Uh... Yeah, it's it's great. So kill your creature, you lose two yeah. life. Put another counter on my Archfiend, <laughs> attacking exactly, for six. Exactly right. Like you need to play this card. So like they make it easier to cast by making one of the black and take away instant speed. Right. So this is what was it? Uh, something in darkness. Claim and claim of darkness. What was it? The claim, minus it was one? the minus four minus one. Yeah, sure. No, no, no. Minus four minus four. Remember back in the yeah. day we we played that card in a couple decks. It was just black black instant. Target oh, creature. that Grasp of Darkness. Grasp of Darkness. I don't want to say Cling of Darkness, because like, that's the minus four minus... Yeah, anyway, yeah. they're all the same card in my head. Anyway, yeah, this card just seems 
pretty great to me on the fact that, you know, sorcery does make it awkward at times. Uh, minus four, minus four can be awkward at times too, because there are going to be four fives and apparently six sixes everywhere trying to kill you. And, you know, some creature's going to get out of the out of the way of this. But again, this pairs really well with the card, Archmina Dross, that we are just talking about. If you have any other reason to proliferate, because you're playing black, I'm assuming you've got Planeswalker somewhere in your deck or something. This card seems pretty good to me. Maybe not as like a slam dunk four of, but like maybe four of in the, in like the 75, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I expect this one will not find its way into older formats just because you need your removal yeah. to be more flexible in them. But in a deck that can really take advantage of the proliferate, maybe, maybe that's enough value that you're okay. You know, if you've got planeswalkers to proliferate onto, um, sagas that you can proliferate onto, yeah. Uh, and sort of race to the finish line on those and, you know, you know, creatures with counters on them or, or what have you. So uh, it'll just kind of depend on how much value you can consistently generate off of that part of the card. But, uh, you know, minus four, minus four is going to deal with most things. Like it, it answers Rafine in standard. It answers, um, you know, it doesn't answer Shieldred. That's probably the big one that you miss. But I don't think you'll have trouble finding a card to answer Shieldred in your black deck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, next we've got Geth Thane of Contracts, one black, black, three, four legendary creature, Phyrexian zombie, other creatures you control get minus one, minus one, and a one black, black tap, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains, if this creature would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else, activate only as a sorcery. Um, obviously can do some really busted things if it lives, but I think so much needs to go right that I don't see it um, being a major player in, in Constructed. That said, the fact that it's just a 3-mana three 3-4 three, on the face of it um, maybe makes it good enough, I, I, but I'm I'm skeptical. This feels more like a commander card to me. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I could, like, if someone makes this, like, work in standard, it's going to be in some way that we haven't thought of. It's going to be some weird thing, some weird corner case. It's going to be kind of thing. 3-4 uh, three, for 3 is like not even big enough anymore to really warrant you know oh it's got like this it's got this drawback but it's got a huge body itself so like it, that's not enough anymore with like the rate the creatures are getting in in standard and you know other formats uh plus the fact that you have to play this for three mana then you need to untap with it have it live and then pay three mana again and tap into it to, and to have a target in your graveyard that matters right so like if you have a very dedicated deck in, like, Commander where you have a bunch of one-ups and you want to have this effect, I can see that. Standard, I'm I'm not so sure. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. It just seems like it, it is a little slow, needs a little bit too much help. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, skept skeptical there. Next, we have Karumonix the Rat King. 1BB for a 3-3 legendary creature Phyrexian Rat. Toxic 1, other rats you control have Toxic 1, and when it enters the battlefield, look at the top 5 cards of your library. You may reveal any number of rat cards from among them and put the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. Now, I have not done a scryfall search for rats legal in various formats, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say there aren't enough to make this card good, but who knows? In the future, it, maybe there will be. Back. It'll be in a commander deck. There's there's a rat deck yeah. in commander. It'll be in that. But but maybe there will be a rat deck in constructed eventually. But uh, it, it will take a probably a while of additional reprint. printings to get there. Maybe they reprint another of those rats where like you could play any number of these. Yeah. 
Then uh, we've got another great removal spell in Shieldred's Edict. One in a black instant. Choose one. Each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature token. Or each opponent sacrifices a planeswalker. So probably the best Edict effect ever printed. Yes. Uh, um, the fact that you get to choose yeah. is, is really big. The fact that you could choose a non-token creature, a, a, a creature token, or a planeswalker is huge. It's not just like, hey, just sacrifice something, you know? Because, you, you know, this can get played all the way into Legacy, right? To enter 2020 tokens and stuff like that. Yeah. So th this is a big deal. Uh, obviously, the, the issue with the Edict effects historically is that your opponent gets a choice in in using them, right? So you in, you only brought it in in specific matchups where they likely weren't going to have a good choice. Here, this is much more main deckable since you can take a cho the, the choice away from them to some extent uh, I'll target with the modality of the card. Can you target yourself? No. With each opponent, right? So you can't you can't sacrifice your 6-6 six, six demon to this. Okay. No. Damn. Sorry, I'm, Cam. I'm, I keep harping back to the demon, Ross. It's so good. <laughs> you're, you're on a one-track mind. The card's really good. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on to red. We have All Will Be One. Three red red enchantment. Whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent or player, All Will Be One deals that much damage to target opponent, creature an opponent controls, or planeswalker an opponent controls. Um, probably more of a commander card. This is, you know, can do some really powerful things if you build around it. Um, you know, maybe it's good and limited if you have enough oil counter things going on. But the fact of the matter is in Constructed, it's a five mana enchantment that has no immediate impact. And that means that in almost all likelihood, it is completely unplayable. I think the biggest thing about this card for everybody is uh, what the card represents more than what it does. I don't know if you've looked at the art or read the, uh, the flavor text, but... This is like the Marvel Universe multiverse thing happening. So, like, apparently Phyrexia is just going to be, like, free now. It can go anywhere in the universe. So, like, we may have a set in the future that just, like, randomly has a couple Phyrexian things in it, even though, like, we're not on Phyrexia because, like, they're just free to go wherever they want now. And there's been a lot of uh, talking about that. If you look at the art and you look at the background, that that's actually Immercool. Because, you know, like, Emrakul's always everywhere. You know, like, it's like, hey, that's ever remember where the Wanderer was Emrakul for a long time? <laughs> sure. But, but, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this card beyond the fact of what it does, just as the sure. art and the flavor text having a... Look, I'm not a lore guy, but it is something that I've read about and heard about, or whatever, at least a little bit, so... That's all I got to say for the card. <laughs> Next up, this is another one of my favorite cards in the set. I think this card's very good, and that is a Dragonwing Glider. Three red red artifact equipment has four Muradin. Oh, yeah. Uh, equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. It has flying and haste, and the equip cost is three red red again. But just by itself, it's a five mana, four, four flying haste. Yeah. Like, it's just a dragon, right? Yeah. Like, it's a, it's like this, this right here is a bomb and limited, like an utter bomb. It is a and dragon with built in card yeah. advantage. And if you're having a red deck in standard, like, generally you have the decks that, like, kind of into three, right? You have your one drop, your two drops, maybe a couple impactful threes, and then some, like, really good burn spells. But we have seen, like, mid-ranges kind of red decks before, or, like, green-red decks where, like, you're going up the curve into, like, four and five drops, and your five drops are generally very, very good, right? You look at, like, Glorybringer, you look at, uh, you know, uh, some some Hellkite-type effects, uh, whichever the, the Hellkite, the, the haste one that did one damage, everything, I can't remember that one. Thundermall, um, Hellkite. Thundermall, yeah. You know, those kind of things. This one, not as powerful right away, right? Like, you're not, like, getting a hasting dragon that kills shit and, like, ends the game super fast. But... If you're playing a game in which, like, attacking matters, damage matters, like, creature size matters, this one's better for a long game. And the fact that you can move this around for five mana and just, like, throw your biggest creature at them and over their blockers. Uh, I will never pass this in limited. 
And I'm not so sure about constructive, but I could see a world in which you want this card. All right, hopefully this can get spliced together well. We had a little bit of an audio internet issue while we were talking about Dragonwing Glider. So hopefully, Brent, we're sorry the internet <laughs> went out. If this makes your job really difficult, I'm sorry, everybody at home. If there's a little bit of a disconnection there, again, our apologies, but we're going to start back over Dragonwing Glider. Like you were saying, uh, great card, five mana. It's, it's like a dragon. You know, it's got haste when it comes into play. It compares... Uh, not as well with stuff like, you know, Thunderball Hellkite and Glorybringer and stuff, but still pretty good for five mana. You know, you're getting that four, four haste creature hit right away. You can equip, move it over, do the same things with some of your other creatures. I'm a little bit worried about it being five and five. That seems like a lot. Limited bomb for sure. Not a hundred percent of constructive, but can see some st spots where you'd want it. The, I just think it, it's going to give a, as a curve topper for aggressive red decks, that are a little bit bigger, it gives them a really strong late game where, you know, you've got this great curve topper already that puts your opponent under a lot of pressure. And then even if they have the removal spell for the creature token you get, now you're going to turn all your other creatures into huge threats yeah. that are evasive. You're you're likely not going to get a lot of value out of the haste because it's going to be hard to play a creature and then spend five mana to equip it. But yep. just giving plus two, plus two and flying to your weaker creatures that would normally be blanked on the battlefield is really, really valuable for aggressive decks. So I'm a fan. Yeah, let's make sure, let's hope you don't have that option of playing a creature and equipping. That's probably not <laughs> yeah. good. That's probably not good for you. Um, so then we have, um, let's say Furnace Punisher, one of the more interesting uncommons. Uh, two and a red, three, three menace. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, it deals two damage to that player unless they control two or more basic lands. So... I actually kind of like this card, Ross, and I think that if there's an aggressive red deck, I, I think this card is going to be one of the good three drops because it's hard to block. You know, Menace is very relevant and constructed, and this is a card that, even if they can block, it can still do damage to them and have reach, and it seems like a must-answer card to me for them, and you're generally presenting a lot of cards like that, like your one drops and two drops need to get answered so you don't get value out of them. How do you feel? I'm a fan. I think there's a lot of decks in standard, especially now, that don't have a lot of basics. Yeah, they have like four like yeah. total. So, yeah. you know, a, a three mana, three, three that deals two damage to them on their upkeep. Uh, every upkeep is, is really nice, especially because that, for, you know, if they don't have the instant speed removal spell, you're going to get two damage in on their upkeep. So you, you sort of have a little bit of haste damage there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, th that's always really valuable. Uh, so yeah, I think that's just a solid card. It's just going to be sort of metagame dependent. If there's too many decks that have a bunch of basics, obviously you can't play it. I'm not sure if it's powerful enough for you to want to play as a sideboard card, which is where I think a lot of people want to put it. I think it's more of a, I'm playing it when it's good and I'm not playing it at all when it's bad because it's not, I mean, it's a good card, you know, in the matchups where it's live, but it is not as powerful as I, you know, it doesn't have the same upside that I like my sideboard cards to have. Yeah, I, I can agree with all that. Uh, next up, another you know solid uncommon creature is Magmatic Sprinter. This was Corey's preview card. Two and a red, three, two haste. When it enters the battlefield, put two oil counters on target artifact or creature you control. And at the beginning of your end step, return it to its owner's hand unless you remove two oil counters from it. So it can just be a three mana, three, two haste if that's what you want. But it gives you the ability to play with these oil counter cards and develop synergies uh, you know, while still being an aggressive threat. So, you know, there's that one drop whose power gets pumped for each oil counter on it. You know, you can play that um, on, on turn one and then turn three, play this and, you know, suddenly put two more counters on that and be attacking for quite a bit of, uh, of damage early on. Mm -hmm. Maybe finish them off with some burn. So uh, 
You know, there's a lot of good red cards around in standard. Uh, hasn't really made an impact in that format, but maybe going this oil counter route with cards like Magmatic Sprinter and uh, the Wonder Off's name is Exuberant Fuseling sure. uh, could, you know, breathe <laughs> some life into that archetype. Yeah, I agree. Again, everything everything you're saying here, I got, I got nothing else to add to, to this because, uh, you know, as the card is, I'm like, okay with it. But if it if it has synergy pro, uh, synergy stuff in your deck and can pump other creature stuff, I'm, I'm all for it. It's also, it plays well against sweepers as well. You know, because like you can pump the thing that's already in play, you get to attack with everything, and then this comes back to your hand. If they play like Wrath of God or whatever, you're like, okay, well, now I'll just attack you with the 3-2 again. You know, kind yeah. of thing. And then, uh, you know, there's also uh, Vindictive Flamestoker. I guess we can talk about that one next. Is sure. red, red for a 1-2 Phyrexian Wizard. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on it, and you can pay 6 and a red, sacrifice it, discard your hand, and then draw 4 cards. This ability costs one less to activate for each oil counter on Vindictive Flamestoker. So you can do stuff like build to that and start generating a lot of uh, card advantage. Maybe you you know maybe that's the makings of red decks for standard because that is a very powerful effect if you can reasonably you know activate it in a in a um, in a short time frame. Yeah, because if you try to do it naturally, you know you cast three or four spells in a turn, it's still going to cost you like three to five mana to activate or even six mana to activate this ability and that's not good enough but if you're yeah. if you're paying like two or three on like turn five like i'm i'm in for that like give me, two, give me that. two or three yeah is about that's yeah. the number i'm i'm happy set, you know activating yeah. this card for maybe four you know if you really have the time to just get nothing else fuel yeah and four cards is a lot that, uh, yeah you can win the game activating this like once for you know that that amount so then the uh the last red or rare i see is Orobrask's forge Two and a red artifact at the beginning of combat on your turn, put an oil counter on it, then create an X1 red Phyrexian horror creature token with trample and haste, where X is the number of oil counters on Arabrask's Forge. Sacrifice that token at the beginning of the next end step. Um you know, you're sort of I guess at three mana, you're making a one-one that's attacking, and then a two-one, then a three-one, and going on from there. Um I I think it, you know, ten years ago that might have been relevant against like control decks where you just have this constant pressure building up against them. This is a card that is kind of cool with Magmatic Sprinter. You, know, you can play Forge on turn three, make a one-one, then next turn play Sprinter, get go to three counters on it because you, you can't target an artifact. Then it gets a fourth on combat, so now you're attacking for seven. Um, so maybe if you're all in on these oil counter synergies, it gets better. But overall, I'm not a huge fan. I'm probably a little bit more than you just because I was thinking about it in those exact instances where like this is really good against like a certain deck. It just depends on if, if there's a really good deck. Let's say there's like a three deck uh, f- format, right? And one of them just has a hard time beating this card. Yeah, I, I can see it. The fact that he was Trample, I think, is the reason I'm a little more into it. You know, we remember cards like, uh, what was it? A Symbol of the Legion and stuff in the past that you play against these against some of these decks. Like you said, 10 years ago, yeah, this card would have been a slam dunk. Not so sure nowadays, but I could see maybe some sideboard spots, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. mostly there with you. Okay, so moving on to green. First rare I see that we didn't get to in the last episode is Evolved Spinoderm. Do you mind if we do uh, a card before that one? There's an uncommon that I like a tiny bit. Sure. Uh, the Armored uh, Scrap Gorger. Have you uh, seen that one? Yeah, one and a green for an O3 Phyrexian Beast. Gets plus three, plus O, as long as it has three or more oil counters on it. Tap at a mana of any color. And when it becomes a tapped exile target card from a graveyard and put an oil counter on it. So you get this sort of silver carry added early that's fixing your mana, ramping you a little bit. You're also getting a little interaction with their graveyard if that's relevant. And then after you've made three mana with it, then suddenly you've got 
a 3-3. Uh, notably, it's whenever it becomes tapped, so as you're attacking with it later in the game, you're accumulating more oil counters on it, in case that's relevant, if you can move them somewhere else. Um, but definitely a an interesting card, because it's nice to have mana creatures that are relevant late into mm -hmm. the game. And you have to have a you have to have a target for it, by the way. If you can't exile yes. a card from a graveyard or whatever, you don't get the oil counters for people. Alright, good. Yeah, important to note, so, uh, you know, th that that can definitely come up in the early turns of, of standard, especially without fetch lands. Like, you know, you're tapping this on turn three. There just hasn't been a card that went to the graveyard. You know, you're mm. a green deck. You're probably not interacting a ton. Yeah. You, you've untapped with your two drops. So presumably your opponent hasn't interacted with you a lot. So yeah, but maybe don't count on this card to be a three, three on turn five. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be turn six or seven before it gets to that stage, but still having that kind of card that can, you know, be relevant late. That said, as a car, as a, you know, mana creature that's relevant late, it does have to be on the battlefield for several turns to get there. Um, it's not a card that you can top deck late and have it be that 3-3. Three, three. So that that is a, a part of, you know, having relevance going along as being a good top deck, and this card is not. But still a, a very solid early play, uh, especially in limited as a, you know, ramper, mana fixer, 0-3 body that can defend against some early creatures there, maybe stop you from... Uh, absorb you know from taking a hit from some toxic creatures to keep you off the of poison counters so i expect will be a very good limited card and is a sort of borderline constructed card yeah that's kind of where i had it too good okay evolved spinoderm 2gg for a 5-5 phyrexian beast enters the battlefield with four oil counters on it evolved spinoderm has trample as long as it has two or fewer oil counters on it otherwise it has hexproof and at the beginning of your upkeep remove an oil counter from spinoderm then if it has no oil counters on it sacrifice it so very clearly a callback to the our old favorite Blastoderm, which I'm sure all of our audience remembers fondly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. But this is this is an improvement on Blastoderm. You know the fact that it's going to have hexproof early and then trample late. Um, you know can help you get that um, can help you get the that last bit of damage through. Um, another card that goes very well with Magmatic uh, Sprinter. You know, you can keep putting oil counters on it to make sure that that it's not going to die. So maybe there's sort of a gruel thing going on there with your oil counter uh, synergies. Um, I do think this is a solid, aggressive creature. Not a card you want to put into mid-range decks or, you know, certainly not control decks, but definitely this is the card that you're, you know, you're trying to beat down to this thing and you're trying to do it quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got nothing else to add. Sounds yeah. great to me. Uh, then we've got Evolving yeah. Adaptive, you know, th this new callback to Experiment 1. Uh, green for zero zero for Exian Warrior enters the battlefield with an oil counter on it. Gets plus one plus one for each oil counter on it. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature had greater power or toughness than Evolving Adaptive, put an oil counter on Evolving Adaptive. So, yeah, I mean, between the the red creatures that we've seen and now these couple of green creatures, like there's a a good density of creatures that play well with oil counters. You know, you add some things that proliferate, like the three mana bolt. That proliferates. Maybe you've got something, uh, something going there. But this is just a solid, you know, creature. Notably, does not work with hardened scales. It mm -hmm. does work with winding constrictor because winding restrictor doubles sure. or adds, yeah, any counters so that it worked with energy. So, um, sort of see the uh, I'm sort of see the makings of a deck here that the U.S. would want to invade. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so much oil. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell the State Department. Yeah. Sorry, I had to make the joke. I know it's bad. I had to. I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not seeing a ton else here. We've talked about some of these other cards. Right. We, we talked about Thrun. Yeah, cards busted. We talked about 
Tyrannix Rex or whatever that card's busted. Federated yeah. uh, Rod Priest, we talked about it. Yeah, uh, I think we maybe skipped some of the multicolored stuff. I was supposed to say, was there anything in multicolored that caught your eye? Oh, yeah. We definitely missed a, a good chunk of the multicolored stuff, sure. if I remember correctly. Yeah, let's get a, um, let's get a few of them. Yeah. Atrax is a nonsense card that just does a sure. lot of stuff for a ton of mana. A lot um, of text. Um, I mean, Cinder, I, talk about a gruel like Oil Counter deck, Cinder Slash Ravager, probably more of a uh, of a limited card. This seems like an awesome limited card. Four red-green for a 5-5 five, five Vigilance. When an ETB is deal one to each creature your opponent's control and costs one less for each permanent you control with oil counters on it. So it's each different permanent. It's not how many yes. oil counters you have. Otherwise, this card would be super cheap and very good, probably. Yeah. Um. Oh, crap. I didn't even see this Glissa. One black green for a 3-3 three, three first strike death touch Phyrexian Zombie Elf. When it deals combat damage to a player, choose one. Either you draw a card and lose a life, destroy target enchantment, or remove up to three counters from target permanent. I mean... Obviously, first strike death touch is a pretty good combo. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's one that is going to lead to it connecting a lot, and it's drawing cards. It's interacting in different ways. Um, that just seems the... like a solid card. I don't really know where it fits. Yeah. I'm like, not the biggest fan because of that, and then like it's very fragile. It's a three-three for three that like needs to hit to do stuff. So I'm a little worried there, but there's a lot of text on it. Yeah, yep. typical creature nowadays. <laughs> yeah, every creature just has unbelievable amounts of text yeah uh we talked about tyvar right because i think that's one of my favorite cards I, one of my early picks and most people's picks is like one of the best cards in the set yeah we same. about that one i'm super mm -hmm. high one black green for three let uh three loyalty planeswalker you may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste then plus one untap up to one target creature minus two mill three cards then you may return a creature card with a mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield there's obvious synergy here with Devoted Druid being mm -hmm. able to, you know, tap your mana for Devoted Druid and combo immediately. It also recurs the Devoted Druid. I think it also plays very well with Elves and Pioneer. I'm, I've been working on builds of that with Circle of Dreams Druid, so you immediately get to tap Circle of Dreams Druid for mana. Just really good with mana creatures of all kinds and, you know, decks that are trying to spiral out with mana creatures. Um, there is also a turn three kill with uh, if you go turn one elf, turn two Tyvar, turn three Prime Speaker Vanifar, you, you can. It involves playing a lot of bad cards in your deck. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and like I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. But you can turn three people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of that. But, <laughs> um, yeah. looking at the rest of these cards, like nothing really jumps off the page at me. I do think. Uh, did we talk about Luca last week? Uh, I can't remember. I well, kind of feel like we did. Two red, green, and a, and a Phyrexian Gruel. Uh, so it's a completed Planeswalker and starts with five loyalty, obviously three if you pay the life. Plus one, add red, green, spend this mana only to cast spells or activate abilities, of, to cast creature spells or activate abilities of creatures. Minus one, create a three, three Phyrexian and Beast creature token with Toxic One. Then minus four deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or Planeswalkers where X is the greatest power among creatures you controlled as you activated this ability. I think a card that compares pretty favorably with uh, Garrick Wildspeaker, which is just a solid good Planeswalker, saw a lot of play in its day, still hey. a solid cube card. This is a card that could play really well in the... What class is it, the Gruul one that plays with Legends? Is that Dwarf class? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. Um... Yeah, I you think know, so. As a, as a 
uh, I didn't know what you meant when you said what, what class. I was like, wait, what? I was like, what are we talking about? I was like yeah. so confused. I was like, this is a D&D, Ross. It's like... This to me is just a, a, a solid, you know, gruel planeswalker yeah, that sure. you can play in yeah. generally creature heavy decks. It gives you some interaction with that last ability. Uh, obviously, like just making a bunch of three threes is very nice and only a minus one for that. Mm. Um, so um, I'm in for this card. I think it's very solid. Um, I think so too. Yeah. It's just a question of whether, you know, a gruel deck is good. Yeah, that's always the question, right? Yeah. Were there any uh, artifacts that stood out to you that we had, that we didn't get to? I, I, I will say this. I like the spell bombs in this set. Like, maybe not for Constructed, but I do think they're really cool. You mean the skull bombs? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> skull, I'm very, very old school. They're sp- these are spell bombs to me, but they're skull bombs. Sure. The art on them is amazing, too. Yeah. I think the, the versatility of those is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not huge on the, the filigree Silex, I guess. Like, it's better than Ratchet Bomb, right? Because it does... Sure. Sure. You know, but like you know, Ratchamon was not a particularly good magic card. It sees some play here and there, but not a card I, I'm stoked by. Ooh, Prophetic Prism is in this set. Yeah, Prophetic Prism got reprinted. Another Ooh. card that if there is like an artifact type deck or whatever, can can definitely fill in some slots. Yeah. Also, does a good card to have around for limited. Yeah. Well, I mean, it you card to like on turn two a little bit. It. There's reasons to have artifacts in your deck in these sets. Uh, it's it, I I like cards like this being in limited because like. It lowers the floor and playable playable decks because like you can get this sometimes. Let's let's say it's not a busted card in this format. Like there are cards in this format like sacrifice and artifact do something right. That's obviously greatly paired with this. But your deck's like a tiny bit of a train wreck. But you get like two or three of these. It allows you to play less playable cards in your deck. Plus you can play the cards that are harder to cast. Right. Like you can just play this off color card with like one basic and you know three prophetic prisms because you're more likely to find that card and the man you now have the mana to cast it. So I'm a big fan of cards like this being limited. Yeah, uh, and I, I especially for sealed. I think that, yeah. that just that's a great card to just have in your sealed pool and cast on turn two. Yeah, you know, you, even if you don't have that many artifact synergies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, nothing else jumping off the page for me for artifacts, and I think we went over all the lands last episode. Yeah, we did. Um, we do have a question from the mailbag that was actually pretty good this week. If you wanted to get to that, yeah. Absolutely. Let me, get, let me pull that up real quick because this is a good one. All right, so this is from uh, Reverend Christ. It says, Wizards has now made two separate equipment mechanics to mitigate their downsides, Reconfigure and Four Mirrodin. Sorry, Four Mirrodin. And yet an equipment deck seems to not even exist in Standard. If Wizards still... Is Wizards still shy from over a decade ago with Jitte and Sword of Fire and Ice, or is it their inherent issue with equipment decks in 2023? I think you answered your own, your own question there. I think the problem is, is the decks overall better equipment decks just aren't very good because your deck just has a bunch of equipment in it and like yeah there's living weapon and four mirrored now so like your stuff has bodies attached to them but if you make a deck that's just a few cards that do well with equipment and then a bunch of these equipments that are creatures you're still paying above rate on a lot of them like yeah you're paying five mana for a four four flying haste card that's not good enough for certain constructive formats right like it's not it doesn't compare well to other cards of its type that aren't equipment and so you have this deck where, like, some of the games are going to draw too much equipment and not the... You're going to draw all filler and no thriller, right? You're going to draw too much of the equipment and not the stuff that pays off for having equipment, or you're going to draw all the payoffs and, like, not enough of the equipment, you know, kind of thing. So I'm not a big fan of my deck having extremely high ceilings, but extremely low floors. And how high is the ceiling in an equipment deck anyway? I have never found it to be super high. So I'm just... I, I think it's inherently, like, something that's very good and limited, 
you know, games like that, but just not good enough for constructing in the pace at which these formats are played. Yeah, pacing is an issue because equipment is rather clunky. The clunkiness also creates high diminishing returns. Um, so you, you just really don't want to draw that many equipment because you're not going to have enough mana to utilize them all effectively. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, has to do with how magic cards have been designed in the last five or 10 years, uh, particularly in that um, they're designed in a way that players just don't run out of resources as quickly or as consistently as they used to. You know, there's just a lot of cards that keep the gas flowing. There's a lot of different mana sinks, whether it's utility lands or abilities on your cards, uh, just to, like, keep giving you things to do with your mana. And that's the main um, advantage that equipment has, is that it is a mana sink later in the game. But if that's not something that other decks are lacking in, then you're not really gaining anything over the rest of the field by playing a bunch of equipment. The only thing that you'd be gaining is if the equipment was just the most powerful thing to be doing. So really, they just need to print more powerful equipment and more powerful payoffs. And obviously, they've been trying to keep, to continue to push them, and they just haven't pushed them far enough. Yeah, exactly. That's that's it, down to the T. Um, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, next week, we do have a lot of stuff we're, we're going to be able to talk about. We have an SCG Con this weekend. Uh, there's a new modern deck that's been doing really well and has a couple of different versions of it. I think you and I are going to want to talk about that because I think it's really cool. Like, if I were to play a modern event today or tomorrow, I, I'd play this deck. I think it's really sweet. I agree. I think it is very sweet. Yeah, and it brings back an oldie but a goodie, too. There's a uh, card that went from being like a $100 card down to like a $10 card in the last few years. And it's starting to bring a, a big comeback for that card. So I'm super excited to see that. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And we'll see y'all next week. 